Welcome to Hedging the Bet with Handwork and Rec, where we dive deep into collegiate sports betting. This topic has become a hot button issue in the new day of NIL, revenue sharing, conference alignment, and gambling. We take the most highly anticipated college sports games each week, share insights, and analyze statistics before revealing where we stand. Let's get this underway. Hedging the Bet is coming to you next from the Impact Sports Studio. Give it up for the one and only Biggie Cheese. Yes, and we thank Biggie Cheese for that performance as we are ready to get into our sweet 16 predictions. My barn. My barn. And we have Michigan State, believe it or not, in the sweet 16, the seven seed. They're playing in New York City against Kansas State. And let's just get right into it. What do you like about this mass- matchup? Well, two things. This one, this run that they're on looks oddly familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, 2015. Looks very familiar to 2015. Yeah. And it's starting to shake, uh, shake out that way, too, a little bit. Down the two seed in the second round, now you're looking at the three. Now, the one difference is uh, the other side of the region looks a whole lot different than we thought it was going to at this time. But nevertheless, I like it. You know, it, we're in a good spot, I think, if you're looking at it from a Michigan State perspective. The first thing that jumps out at me is is a first-year tournament head coach in Jerome Tang leading the Wildcats. That's an interesting deal, comparing him to Izzo, of course. Izzo's kind of been in a media circus this week, having spoken with Dan Patrick, as well as Rich Eisen, and a couple other key appearances on like SportsCenter and such which I know he doesn't want to do, but kind of has to <laughs> at this case and at this rate. Game-wise, though, Kansas State's really good. And like they have proved exactly why they should be here in this instant. I think that you know for them to do what they did to Kentucky was really impressive to me. I'd, I thought for sure this would be Michigan State-Kentucky. Honestly, looking Agreed. at that game, yeah, uh, again because we saw that in November, you know, I I thought that it would have been more of the same, and we would have had to deal with Shebway. But now you flip it to where it's the two guards for Kansas State who are the problem in Noel and uh, Keontae Johnson as well, and uh, they score thirty eight a game. I mean, that's what they're doing. They just had twenty three and seventeen. Or excuse me, twenty-seven and thirteen, respectively. Uh, Kansas State worries me, and one of the reasons they worry me is uh, alongside with those guards, they defend extremely well from the three-point line. Kentucky shot four of twenty from three, and Michigan State coming off of a two of sixteen performance against Marquette. What I said immediately is, if you do that again, you lose. At this rate. Agreed. And, you know, uh, Kansas State makes their free throws. And the one thing that Michigan State may be able to do is is 
control the boards. And if they control the glass, maybe you'll see some transition stuff. Hogard will get out and move. Walker will get ahead of the play. Even Malik Hall will have a few breakaways. So I like that. Um, I think because the line is two, I'm going to go with Michigan State. And I think the biggest deal is Michigan State's ability to defend, rebound, and run. Making it simple. Maybe run some curl screens per usual. That would be no breakup from what they normally do for for both Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker. Um, I hope that the rest of the guard play is like sufficient enough. And Marty Sissoko really brought it for Michigan State against Marquette. So if he does that as well and chips in in that way and makes it look a little bit at, like reminiscent at least of Shibway for Kentucky against Kansas State, I like Michigan State. And I think they'll be able to do a couple of those things and maybe slow down one of the two guards. I'm not counting on both being dead, but one of the two. So give me the Spartans to continue on. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, The one thing that worries me about going up against a team against Kansas State is they're a team that can play really fast. They average 76 points per game. They were in one of the best conferences in all the college basketball in the Big 12. Uh, They average 53.2% from the field this year. And the one thing that helps Michigan State is that their rebound, uh, Kansas State's uh, rebounding margin per game is negative 8.5. So that the Spartans can definitely win the battle on the boards and uh, the rebounds. So uh, I like Michigan State. Um, I think this is a tougher matchup for Michigan State rather than playing either Tennessee or Florida Atlantic. I think if Michigan State can get past this game against Kansas State, I think they're going to the Final Four, and I think that should be the goal for this Spartan team, this Spartans team. Get to the Final Four and uh, have a chance to raise a banner and give yourself a lottery ticket to maybe winning a national championship. I know that's crazy uh, talk, but they got a real shot, and I think that should be their goal. Get to the Final Four and possibly win a national championship. This is something that we can get into in the later portion of the podcast, but the question would be, who do you think they might see in the Elite Eight and in the Final Four? I think the Elite Eight, they're going to see Tennessee, and then I think the Final Four, they're probably going to see Alabama. And that's going to be really interesting, because remember, they played Alabama earlier in the year, and they were down a couple players and only lost by 11. I was there. Yeah. I was there. Um and that was a one-point game at half, too. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Kind of unraveled a little bit. Alabama's freakishly athletic, and Michigan State was was hindered by injuries. So, okay, I see the path. I do. Yeah, another thing that I'm really interested to see tomorrow night is the three-point shooting. The three-point shooting was not good against USC and Marquette, but they were still able to get by, and that's all that matters. So I think if the Spartans... If they play anything like they did against USC and Marquette and their three-point shooting improves, they should beat Kansas State easily. But KSU has been electric in terms of turning teams away yep. from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. So that's a concern. We shall see. And then uh, before we move on to uh, Arkansas-UConn, let's uh, get into a prop bet here. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go with Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. Over or under 39 points combined. And the reason I said it there, just so that we are, you know, determining our metrics here. In round one, they had 18 and 17, relatively. And in round two, they had 
23 and 17. So that's 35 and 40. 39. What do you think? Against a team like Michigan State that can defend well, and we saw them defend really good against USC and Marquette, that's going to be a big challenge. But I think they might hit it. And if they don't, they're going to be really close. So I'm going to say they do. I'm going to say they go for like a combined 39. Like they hit it right on or they go a little over at like 40. So I'm going to take the over right now. But I could be totally wrong about this, but I'll take the over. And what type of of offensive situation in terms of set plays would you like to see from Kansas State to beat Michigan State defensively with those two? Well, I think three-point shooting is huge. I mean, we saw Marquette knock down a bunch of threes, open threes against Michigan State. We saw Marquette go on a couple runs because of those threes. So I think threes is going to be huge for uh, Kansas State and getting inside and maybe getting uh, Sissoko and a couple of the Michigan State big men in uh, foul trouble is going to be huge in that matchup against Michigan State. Moving on to Arkansas and UConn. The must bus has arrived back in the Sweet Sweet 16 for the third straight year in a row after an impressive come-from-behind upset win against the Kansas Jayhawks in the round of 32 while UConn, on the other hand, advanced to the Sweet 16 convincingly with a win over St. Mary's. So what do you like in this matchup between Arkansas and UConn? I like the athleticism of Arkansas and the ability to push the ball. I think that they move at a much quicker and anticipatory kind of instinctual pace than UConn does. UConn's methodical a little bit, and part of the reason they have to be is Adama Sanogo anchoring the middle. When he is able to get his, UConn's been really good, but the thing is, in the NCAA tournament, what you do with your big matters very little. Look at Purdue. Look at Zach Eady being stifled by Fairleigh Dickinson, who had an average... Height of six foot four. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's about guard play. Unbelievable. And with with Arkansas, you have Ricky Council the fourth, Devontae Davis, and Anthony Black, and off the bench as like the seven or eight man, you bring in freshman phenom Jordan Walsh. So when I hear that, I just say, Man, how is this team gonna lose? I think they'll advance the ball quicker than UConn can can get back in transition, and I think that they will be able to shut down Hawkins enough, and I really like Eric Musselman. That's not to say, you know, that has a whole lot of effect on this one, but it's true. I, I like him, and I think that the second of the two Hurleys will be bounced right here. I think it's going to be Arkansas. I really do. Arkansas outright, let's go ride the bus all the way to the Elite Eight. Yeah, I would totally love to see that, but I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm going to go with UConn, and I believe it's going to be because of their bigs. It's going to be because of Adama Sanogo. I think he's going to have a difference in that game against the Razorbacks. And I think this will probably be one of the best games of the Sweet 16. I expect to see a back-and-forth game. I expect to maybe see Arkansas winning at halftime and then UConn dealing with a little bit of adversity throughout the game, having to come back, rally back, and beat this Arkansas team. 
Uh, we saw Arkansas do the fa- same thing against Kansas, where they were down at halftime, had to rally the troops, and uh, pull off that upset win. So I'm going to go with UConn, and I believe they hit the spread. They go a little bit over the three and a half. And then the prop bet that I have for you is, does Devontae Davis for Arkansas, does he go over or under 15 points in this one against the Huskies? I'm going to go under. I want to see, well, I I was about to say what I want to see. What I expect to see is Anthony Black getting after it, being tenacious, maybe stealing a couple of those points. But I wouldn't be surprised if Davis is, you know, 11, 12, 13. But I'm excited for Anthony Black to see what he can do. And maybe also Jordan Walsh will will add a few more than he normally does because he's hanging around like 7.5 or so. So if he gets to 10, Black gets to, you know, 15, 16, eh, I would be hard-pressed to see another one get up there. Number nine, Florida Atlantic taking on number four, Tennessee. This is the other game in the uh, East region at Madison Square Garden. Rick Barnes and the Volunteers have proved the, proved the doubters wrong, and they have advanced to the second weekend of the tournament. Their defense has been spectacular in this tournament. They held Duke to under or fifty two points, and they were forty two percent shooting in that game. Duke was, however, the Volunteers' offense hasn't been the best. Uh, in the win against Duke, they only shot forty percent from the field, and against the Raging Cajuns, they only scored fifty six points in that narrow victory in round one. So this could cause trouble for Tennessee that's going up against a really good Florida Atlantic team that knows how to score the ball. They uh, won, I believe, over 30 games this year. So can Florida Atlantic upset Tennessee? The line on this game is Tennessee minus five. Yeah, FAU's at 32 wins this year. I mean, there's a reason. You know, I said this to you the other day. I said, hey, man, I get that it's Conference USA. But if you win 32 games, you're really freaking good. You're good. Well, bottom line. Yeah. And as you said, they can score. And I th- honestly thought from the bottom of my heart, deep in the crevice of my soul, Tennessee was dead when Zakai Ziegler went out. I thought they were cooked, done, uh, Kai Bosch, haxed out of the tournament. But then when they got to play Duke in the second round, I went, oh, okay, well, they made it by round one but they're dead. I guess not. I guess not. You know, it's it's really remarkable, actually. I did not for a second think they would get here. And I think they'll win. I think that Nakanhua, I hope I pronounced that right. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't, will be fantastic. FAU has won 9 of 10, but... Here, the difference, I think, is is Viscovi and Rick Barnes and Nakanhua, who just had a extraordinary game against Duke. So, you know, I, I don't know. I never know, man. I mean, can I tell you something? There are people in this world who get paid to do what we're doing right now, and they try and do it well. Problem is, when you get here, they can't even do it well. <laughs> Nobody knows, right? We don't know what we don't know. I I think that Tennessee will win, but I think it will be under five. I think it will be very close. 
And FAU, you know, played a very tight one with Memphis. That was a last shot game. They might do it again, but be on the other side of the script this time. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to this game. I'm surprised this is the 9 o'clock game, and Michigan State's not the 9 o'clock game. I thought this would be the first game, Florida Atlantic and Tennessee, the 6.30 game. But I'm going to go with Tennessee. Uh, I think they go over 5, but it's going to be tough. I think they'll play well on defense again. They'll do enough to stop that Florida Atlantic offense. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Tennessee, but this could get a little scary. I think Florida Atlantic at the end could have a serious shot of winning this game. And let's go over the prop bet for this one, Florida Atlantic and Tennessee. If you don't have one, you can just give me one. Oh, Lord. This (laughs) is the one game I missed. Give me a second. That's crazy. Yeah. In FAU's case, I'm trying to understand what they have to do In the half court. In in the full court, it, you're pointing a finger at me. What's yeah, going on? Here's a good one if you want me to ask you this prop bet. Does FAU go over or under 60 points? Wow. Okay, I like that. That was good. Um, huh. Okay. Well, uh, wow. I tell you what I think. I think they go over, but slightly. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Uh, you said 60? Yeah, because, I mean, they held Duke to 52. And right. It was, uh, they held the Raging Cajuns to, what, 53? So they've been ha- did, holding people to mean, under. You mean Tennessee did? Tennessee did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. I think. Yeah, I think they will. I think, in fact, here's one. I think FAU will get to 70. Really? Yeah. This, oh, man. I think it's I think it's completely different than what we have seen, yeah. honestly. So but, you think Tennessee's going to finally, they're going to finally score? Like they're just going to find a way to score? Yeah, well, let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. The, I'll tell you this. The over-under for the game is 130.5, and, and the line is 5.5 Tennessee. I don't know. It's tough because, so, I mean, we need, uh, if you're betting on this, you got to hope that Tennessee shows up and they finally show some offensive ability, and we saw that a little bit against Duke where they knocked down a couple three-pointers. But besides that, they uh, only were 40% from the field, so they're going to have to start hitting down shots. Right, right. You know, here's one thing that we need to cover in terms of FAUs. John L. Davis who's a sophomore, but he's one of those guys who has made his name known in March with 29-12 and 12 against Fairleigh Dickinson. <laughs> Hoo-wee! <laughs> and um, check this out. Florida Atlantic scores a, 112 points per 100 possessions, which is the top 15 in America. As well, they're top 25 in shooting efficiency. from two-point range, and the top 15 again in three-point percentage. They're also top 15 in three-point volume. Take it as it may, I think this is trouble for Tennessee. Big trouble. Yeah, I really do. Big trouble indeed. 
Moving on to number three, Gonzaga, and number two, UCLA. Gonzaga is in the Sweet 16 for the eighth straight year in a row. They were able to fight off Grand Canyon in the first round and were able to survive a late rally against TCU in the round of 32, while UCLA was able to hold off a really good Northwestern team to advance to the Sweet 16. This should be one of the best matchups, and a lot of people think the Zags, they're not done yet, and they could seriously get to the Final Four while UCLA... They could also win a national championship. So this is a make-or-break game between Gonzaga and UCLA. Winner could go to the Final Four, or they could get bounced out next round. So who goes? Who wins this game between Gonzaga and UCLA? Uh, wow. <laughs> you know, um, I think this is one of the games where you just throw it up and, and see what happens. Let them play. You know what I mean? It's kind of going to be a streetball contest a little bit, I think, between the likes of Hawkes and Timmy, who play very similar. That's going to be a fun matchup. I'm very excited for that. And then as well, like, Strother has been good for Gonzaga. Razier Bolton has elevated his game for sure, which is exactly what he had to do the last couple months of the year. Um, And, like... Here's my thing. Razier Bolton scored 17, and um, the previous three games, he had 12 points to his name, which that says a lot. But then I think as well, Malachi Smith, who is someone that, honestly, coming into the West Coast tournament, I had no clue who Malachi Smith was. But he just had 11-5 and five against TCU, including three different threes. And um, he's hit double figures in four of his last six as well. I think Drew Timmy is somebody who won't let his team lose. And you're coming off of the back of scoring 51 points in the second half against TCU. To me, that feels like they'll carry momentum into this one compared to UCLA that had to stave off, as you said, Northwestern. Amari Bailey is really good for UCLA. They finally got Bona back, even though he was um, relatively a non-factor, I would say, in their recent game. Still without Jalen Clark. I thought UCLA would be still going by this time, but I think they're getting close to done. In fact, I think it might come this weekend, so or rather Thursday. So I'm going to go with Gonzaga. I am. Yeah, I agree with you. This is a total toss-up for me. Um, could go either way. But I just think in the different, in the end, the difference is going to be UCLA's guard play with uh, Jaquez and uh, Tiger Campbell. And I think UCLA advances and they'll play UConn, and that should be a good regional final between UCLA and UConn if that does happen. Uh, those are two teams, UConn and UCLA, that could, I think, win the national championship. A lot of people are very high on UConn heading into the tournament. And they've really shown uh, those experts why uh, in these last couple of games. So I'm going to go for UCLA. And then the prop bet that I have for you is Hakez and Tiger Campbell. Do they go over, under, combined 36 points? That's the margin they reached uh, last game against Northwestern. So do they, do they do that again? No, because Amari Bailey will come to play again. And I think that's what the issue will be. And 
If Bona gets back to his rhythm a little bit more now that he's in game number two with his feet under him, uh, that might shrink the number even more. So, oh, I want to say Hawkins will take over the game. I really do. But does he, if, if he does, does Campbell do enough or is Campbell resorting to his duties as facilitator and distributor of the basketball? I think that's the most likely situation is if Hawkins gets hot, Campbell says, hands off, I'm going to dish it and, and, you know, slash cut to the rim and see what else I can do other than trying to pour it in. So I don't think so. We'll go under. Yeah, I agree with you as well. I think this is the type of game where it's going to be more of a team effort and you're going to see a lot of other people from uh, UCLA uh, contribute to that, uh, win either than uh, Hawkes and uh, Campbell. So I'm going to agree with you on that. And then moving on to our Friday games, our first matchup is number five, San Diego State, taking on Alabama. Alabama is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. The Tide were rolled through the first weekend uh, convincingly, beating uh, Texas A&M, CC, and then um, Maryland. So does Alabama continue their winning ways against a really good San Diego State team? That's very well defensively and was able to uh, get to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I do. I think Alabama's going to end up winning this one, and it, in all seriousness, may not be close. SDSU looked good against Furman, but I'm not sure, honestly, how much that's saying, given that it was Furman. And, you know, I say that with respect to Virginia, but... First things first, should Furman have dumped Virginia in round one? Probably not. Second off, given that they did, SDSU is is a really strong team. So it didn't at all surprise me that they won by 21 or whatever that end result was. I think it was over 20. But Alabama, with Quinterly and even though... You know, they're dealing with injuries now, just like everyone, it seems, in this country. Miller's uh, something else, you know, and I think that he is too good to have them fall at this juncture. So I'll go with Alabama. Yeah, Alabama's going to roll in this one. I agree with you. Um, (laughs) The Aztecs are just going to have to find some way to stop Brandon Miller, and I just don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to go with Alabama to roll all over San Diego State in this one. And then the prop bet you got for me. Yeah, yeah. So Micah Parrish had a really impressive game against Furman for San Diego State. He's been around seven points per game, but just had quite a few more than that recently and uh, has been more impressive as of late. So we'll go with... Does Parrish go over or under 10 points? Yeah, even though I think San Diego State's going to lose this one badly against Alabama, I think uh, Parrish is going to play inspired. He'll probably have a good first half. They'll keep. I think San Diego State keeps it close in the first half, but Alabama pulls away in the second. So I'm going to say he goes over 10 points in this one for uh, the Aztecs. Our second Friday game is number 5 Miami taking on number 1 Houston, the Cougars. Uh, Marcus Sasser is back healthy for the Houston Cougars, and he is the key for this Cougars team to get to the Final Four. And Miami, despite their injuries, was able to get to the Sweet 16 
which included a dominating performance against Trace Jackson Davis and the Indiana Hoosiers. So can Miami upset Houston? Well, like... Can they? They yeah, can. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when you ask that, of course, they can. But Houston is 15-1 and one since January 25th. And so far, their two opponents have been held to a 32% shooting mark. So I think those are two issues to begin with for Miami. Uh, Omier for the Hurricanes has returned, and he's been okay. Um, But Sasser and Jamal Shedd is really good, and, you know. um, I didn't originally think that Houston would make it to the Elite Eight. I didn't either. But seeing the draw now, I do think they will at the end of the day. But Houston's another one of those programs that hasn't win a na- won excuse me, a national championship to this point in their history. And I think, you know, it's a question as to whether they'll be able to do that uh, this year given that we still have quite a few teams who are uber-talented and more experienced. But I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Houston here. I am. Yeah, I'll go with Houston as well. Um, the Hurricanes, I think the key in this one is they gonna, they're going to have to stop the scoring ability of Marcus Sasser to upset the Cougars, and I believe it's going to be a back-and-forth game. But in the end, Houston, they're just... I think they're too too talented for Miami, and I think they're going to win. But it's going to be under seven. And speaking of Marcus Sasser, he had 22 against Auburn, propelled them to victory in that one. So does he go over or under 22 points in this one against the Hurricanes? Under. Under. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think he could go under, but I could also see him going over as well. Uh, I could see Marcus Sasser doing that. Our third Friday game is the Cinderella story, the Princeton Tigers, the 15 seed. This is the third straight year in a row that a 15 seed has made it to the Sweet 16. They'll take on the number six seed, Creighton. Creighton is a nine and a half point favorite in this one against the Princeton Tigers out of the Ivy League. So does Princeton continue their Cinderella run to the Elite Eight and knock off Creighton? Mm. Huh. Well, Creighton has gone six and three against the spread at neutral sites, and Princeton is three and two against the spread in neutral sites. Five of Creighton's past seven games have gone over, but only one of Princeton's past six games have hit the over. That doesn't say a whole lot about the game, but betting wise, that makes a lot of sense to me. Princeton, to beat Arizona, completely, completely turned the world upside down. I mean, that was something unique. Now, I will say this. I wasn't surprised when Princeton went on to beat Missouri. I wasn't either. Uh, And that's not just because they beat Arizona. I thought they were lined up well against Missouri. And um, I think Creighton's defensive system is going to be too good. Um, Greg McDermott's press and ability to trap and and force turnovers is huge. Um, Creighton could also score at all levels this year. 
47 from the floor, 46 from three, and 22 of 22 from the line in uh, the round of 32. So I like that. That was how they downed Baylor, 85-76. Creighton has covered all their spreads through March Madness so far. Um, The X Factor, I think, and I know you're going to mention somebody, so I'm not going to mention him, but the X Factor for me is Baylor Shireman for Creighton. And I look for them to to get it done over Princeton and send them home. And maybe deservedly so, because did you see that video that came out about how Princeton's campus reacted to them winning? Yeah, they don't really care. It was like no one even knew. Yeah. They just went about their business. There were people sitting up in a library, like, reading books. It was astonishing to me. Meanwhile, here there are couches burned. And people rioting. It, yeah. It was just unbelievable. I mean, really? Like, pride of New Jersey. Oh. Wow. <laughs> wow. Ivy League school, I guess. Um, but, hey, maybe if they make it to Elite Eight, they'll get more attention. But, yeah, yeah I, I, I really would think that you're a 15 seed. You get more attention if you go to the... Uh, Sweet 16. Because, I mean, we saw, like, St. Peter's go crazy over at that uh, school. And then we, she saw Oral Roberts go crazy over it too. So I mean, and then now Princeton, Princeton is, just is just like dormant, sleeping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I think Princeton, their run comes to an end uh, in this matchup against Creighton. Uh, Ryan uh, Nemhard will be spectacular. I think again, he scored thirty points in the win over Baylor in the round of thirty-two. And then I agree with you that Creighton's defense will. I think it's just going to be too much. For Princeton, and I think they'll win, but I think it'll be close. I think nine and a half points is a little too much. I think Creighton wins by eight. There'll be a late surge from Princeton to uh, cover the spread in that one. So I'm gonna say Creighton goes under nine and a half, and then we'll move on to the prop bet for that game. Well, can I just say one thing? I I think I think Creighton goes over, and I think they blow past it. Really? And, yeah, and I think it's on the back of a quick start. Yeah, I think. At least early, the lights will be too bright for Princeton, and we'll see an explosion. Turnovers for touchdowns, a big run to open the game. That'll be the end of Princeton, I think. Yeah, I could totally see that as well, but I could see going under, and I could see Princeton having a serious chance of like maybe winning this, but I don't think so. I think it's going to be great. So here's the question. Are the Blue Jays going to shoot 45% from three or not? That is a tough one. Um, Oh, man, I don't know. I'm going to say they get close, but they don't. They could get seriously close to going over 45% or at least hitting 45% from three, but I'm going to say no to that one. So I'm going to go under. And then our final Sweet 16 game, the final Friday game before the Elite Eight, is number three Xavier taking on number two Texas. Now, if Zach Fremantle was healthy, I think Xavier has a serious chance. Would I, I'd actually pick Xavier to beat Texas if Zach Fremantle was in this game. But I do, however, think that Xavier still has a serious chance of winning this game against uh, Texas and advancing to the Elite Eight. So does Xavier beat Texas? Uh, no, no, I, I think it's going to be Texas and I think like a really big deal for me is that 
Um, Texas is has been awesome, and like they're outscoring opponents by eleven points a game, and they put up nearly eighty per game. Um, I think also like Serge Ibari Rice has been phenomenal for Texas. I'm hoping to see um, Timmy Allen score a little bit more. Marcus Carr has been great for Texas. I I think we've talked about all year how Texas feels like a team of destiny post the Chris Beard thing. I still think that's true. And like as tough as it will be going against going up against Nunji and Sean Miller, you know, with Xavier out of Cincinnati, I, I just I think Texas is on a different plane this year. And we'll see them continue to just churn out wins. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm going to go with Texas. I think if Xavier wins this game, it's going to be their guards. I really like Colby Jones, and I really like uh, Soleil Boom. He's one of the best uh, free-throw uh, shooters in the country. And then Jerome Hunter and Jack Nunji, as you mentioned, they're also nice in the middle for Xavier. So they're going to have to have an impact as well if Xavier is going to upset Texas. But what you said about Texas just being a team of destiny, especially after the whole uh, Chris Beard incident, they play inspired. They play together. I love watching them. And they played in one of the best conferences all year in college basketball in the Big 12. And in the end, I just think it's Texas's scoring ability. They score way more points than Xavier. Uh, They average more on the year. Xavier's been in a lot of games where... They've struggled defensively, like they've given up like more than 80. So I'm going to go with Texas to beat Xavier. And then the prop bet, Adam Kunkel, he had five three-pointers made against Pitt in that round of 32 victory. So does he go over or under three this time against uh, Texas? I'm going to go with... Mm. Man, don't do that to me. Uh, I'm gonna go with under, and I like Texas held Penn State to eight of twenty-eight from three, and I think if they have an impressive performance like that in defending the three again, it'll be hard to do it, um, especially with how many different guys for Xavier can shoot the three. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to read into the fact that, you know, a guy like Conkle who seems to have the hot hand will do it again. I'll make my answer interesting. I'll say he hits exactly three. <laughs> I'd agree with you. And then another thing about Xavier, I think if Xavier's going to beat Texas, they're going to have to start fast because that's how Texas plays. They play fast. They're a lot like Kansas State. They play a very fast-paced Um and Xavier, we've seen a couple of times this year where they have started fast. They've gone out and outscored people by like 15 points in the first half, and they've ended up blowing the lead and only winning by two. So I think Texas, they're going to start out fast. Xavier will creep back into it a little bit, but Texas wins. They go over four, and yeah, Texas advances to the lead eight. Dylan Disu for Texas is coming off of a game against Penn State where he had 28 on 14 of 20 from the field. <laughs> How efficient is that? It's pretty efficient. Yeah, I would say that's pretty good. How about 70% shooting? Yeah. Texas shot 7.7% from three 
but still won over Penn State. So I think, to me, that looks a lot similar to Michigan State and how bad they've been from the three-point line, but they're still winning. Yeah. So the recipe's there. I mean, they grabbed 37 boards. I, I, um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Dominated the defensive glass and then had a few more assists. So I like Texas and their ability to spread the basketball to their different guys, Carr and Disu and Allen, and it'll be good. I agree. Texas is going to win. And uh, that is all for Hedging the Bet. That is our Sweet 16 predictions, and we hope to catch you next week for the Final Four. Biggie Cheese! Biggie Cheese! See you next week, guys. That is all from the Impact Sports Studio. You can catch us live Wednesdays at 3 p.m. on 88.9 The Impact for more collegiate sports betting analysis.